Hello and welcome to Herpological Discussions. This is Justin Julander and today we're talking lizard skin. So get ready for some good discussion. First off, I want to thank everybody for their participation on the Facebook page. Uh, those of you who have uh, liked the page and, and uh, checked out our podcast there, uh, thank you. And uh, to any who haven't, check it out and uh, get on there. Get involved and start discussing things. Um, today, the, uh, the article I chose, I was, I was looking for an article about uh, thorny devils because I thought that would be an interesting topic to a lot of people. And uh, I ran across this article. It's entitled, Moisture Harvesting and Water Transport Through Specialized Microstructures on the Integument of Lizards. And this is work done by Werner Baumgartner's lab. Um, pretty cool paper. They, they include both the uh, thorny devil, well, the thorny devil, Molochordus, uh, the Arabian toad-headed agama, Phrynocephalus arabicus, and the Texas horn lizard, Phrynosoma cornutum. Uh, the uh, uh, Arabian toad-headed gamma, as its name implies, occurs on the Arabian Peninsula. These are sand-adapted uh, gammas or lizards. They, they inhabit uh, sandy uh, dunes, and they have uh, various adaptations for life in the sand, like uh, fringe scales on the toes, on, on the eyes to kind of protect their eyes. They lack uh, ear openings, so they you know don't get packed with sand. And then their nostrils are kind of on the top of their head. They have a very uh, blunt face, very interesting-looking lizard. I'd check them out. Uh, one of their relatives is kind of making a scene on the American herpetol cultural area and maybe in Europe as well. But uh, they, their cousin, Phrynocephalus uh, mysticus, uh, has these really cool kind of side frills along its mouth that are really interesting. So kind of a cool uh, group of lizards. Um, the Texas horn lizards are these uh, enigmatic uh, American desert lizards from, as their name also implies, Texas. Uh, these are uh, spiky, you know, ant specialists that live in in the southwest deserts. Uh, very cool and interesting lizards. They have some neat adaptations. They can uh, squirt blood from their eyes at uh, canine predators. Uh, and yeah, just really interesting lizards. So the the thorny devil and the horn lizards are, are very kind of similar in body plan. They're kind of built like tanks, stocky uh, ant specialists. And uh, the while well, the Arabian toad-headed gamma is kind of a slender, uh, smooth-scaled lizard, um, so quite different. But all three of these have something uh, in common, and that is water harvesting uh, through their uh, skin. So many of you've seen um, the you know wildlife documentaries on the thorny devils, where they can uh, wick water along their skin, and and it can be uh, I guess channeled to their mouth. And so these uh, authors are kind of looking at that feature. Now, not only is this found in the thorny devil, but also in the toad-headed agama and the horn lizard. So kind of a common feature, and they wanted to find out. Uh, you know, the mechanism behind this, the science behind the uh, water wicking. So, um, let's get into it. So, the the authors use a, you know, first off, they take uh, preserved specimens, you know, with their skin intact, and they look at, you know, what happens when you drop a drop of water on the skin. And they use what's known as a, as a contact angle uh, assay. So, they they used uh, a skinkus species, a species of skink, skinkus skinkus, that has very um, 
you know, doesn't really have this hydrophilicity or water-loving nature of the uh, scales that the three species in the study have. So it was used as kind of a negative control for that feature. So when you place a drop of water on the skin of the skink, it kind of balls up, you know, like you'd expect a, a water droplet to be on the surface of a, of a shiny, uh, smooth, scaled skink. And it just kind of stays. So the, they measure the contact angle, which is the angle that the droplet makes as it sits on the top of the skin. And they measure this at different time points. There's, uh, you know, uh, instruments that help measure these, the, the contact angle. So if you can picture a flat surface, which would be the scale, and then a droplet of water on top of the scale, kind of a half circle, you know, sitting there, um, the contact angle is the angle that you would make as you drew a straight line along the edge of the uh, water droplet, too. Uh, and so if you have a high, you know, droplet that's sitting tall on the skin, that would be a high contact angle. And where if you have a, uh, a skin that absorbs the water quickly or, or the water is uh, attached to the skin. <laughs> it's hard to describe how this how this works, but the water uh, does not sit as a droplet on the skin, but it goes uh, through the skin very quickly in less than, you know, f uh, f around 50 milliseconds or so. So it has a very low contact angle. It almost lies flat on the skin rather than balling up. So the hydrophilic nature of the skin makes that water droplet sit all, you know, kind of disperse across the skin. That's probably the best way to say it. Whereas the hydrophobic skin of the skink allows the water droplets to sit on top of the of the scale in kind of a ball, if you will. So they wanted to see kind of what was causing this. Um, so they, they, you know, demonstrated with this contact angle that the skin was very hydrophilic, and they wanted to get into you know, kind of the, the specifics of that. And so they got uh, microscopic on it, and they uh, looked, you know, under the microscope. Well, f first they took took a, a scale from the lizard, and they dipped it in water. And they saw that one side had kind of a high contact angle, while the other side had a low contact angle. Now, the side with the low contact angle was the side that's external to the lizard, whereas the internal or dermal side uh, didn't really have that uh, hydrophilic nature. So the hydrophilicity was only on the outside uh, the, of the, uh, the, the scales rather than on the inner surface or the inner um, layers of the epidermis. And so um, they looked at it microscopically and found um, that on the, on the dermal side there was no real microstructure, but on the, on the external side of the scale they saw a pretty consistent um, pattern of the scaling, and it looked like a honeycomb. So different pits along, um, kind of in in the sh in a honeycomb pattern. And what was interesting is they found this similar um, layout on all three of these species. Um, so they they differed somewhat, where you know the the uh, thorny devil had about 10 to 20 diameter, the, the pits on the honeycomb were about 10 to 20 microns in diameter with a depth of about 5 microns. The horn lizard have about, had about the same depth but the diameter of the honeycombs was a little larger, 15 to 25 microns. Um, the 
Toad-headed gamins had the biggest um, honeycomb segments of 20 to 30 microns, but they were only one micron deep, so kind of more like a dimple in the skin rather than a, a honeycomb. And and it, you know, looking at them side by side in the figure, um, in figure five, they you, you can see that uh, pretty clearly. So very interesting uh, layout of the skin, and so they hypothesized that this was the reason why um, they were seeing this hydrophilicity and so what they wanted to do is replicate that with um, a uh, model and so they took some uh, casting material and they made a cast of the lizard skin to and, and demonstrate that the cast had the same micro microscopic structure that the the intact skin did and uh, and found that when they had that structure um, it was it displayed the same characteristics as the lizard skin, so it had that low contact angle, and the water kind of spread through. So it had what what they term uh, wettability. Um, what was interesting is the the surface of the skin had to be slightly moist for this to occur. Now uh, they figure that this could be done simply by you know these lizards inhabit the desert where they have relatively cool nights and, and very hot days and so as the day warms up and the sun comes up then um, the lizards are dependent they're you know uh, cold-blooded so they have to wait until the sun warms them up and so their bodies are still relatively cool compared to the surroundings in the morning and so they could uh, potentially uh, condense enough water on their skin that it would get the the ball rolling so as so to speak and so um, they showed this with the resin. The resin also had to be slam slightly damp to show that uh, hydrophilic felicity uh, um, or the wettability. So um, they they also suggest that sources like rain, fog, or dew could get the ball rolling and and continue the process. So. Um, they did need a minimal moisture level on the scales. They also say that it could, in fact, come from water loss through the integument um, in some cases. That, that might be enough water to get the ball rolling as well. So yeah, pretty interesting uh, information there with that, that microstructure. Um, so they, they, next they looked at kind of the directionality of when you put water, where does it go? And they, for this, they used uh, color water droplets, which was just kind of neat. So they showed kind of where the water flowed. Now in the Moloch and the Phrynocephalus, the, the gamma, uh, toad-headed gamma and the, the thorny devil, the water just kind of uh, spread evenly pretty much in all directions, as, as one would expect uh, through modeling. Whereas the in the horn lizard, it had somewhat directionality towards the head of the animal. And they compared kind of the microstructure that might account for that. So while the thorny devil and the toned-headed gamma had these microcapillaries through the skin, they were kind of random and didn't really point the water in a, in a certain direction. But the uh, horn lizard had different sizes and structures. They had different blocking uh, scales within the capillaries, so it almost moved the water in a direction. And when they measured the velocity and the directionality of the water, they found that the, indeed the water on the horn lizard was moving towards the mouth. And so they could show kind of directionality. And they also measured this um, and show some graphs that show that this is not a random thing, that there's more uh, 
um, I guess, weighted movement towards the, the head of the animal. So all of them, once the water kind of hit the mouth and the drinking um, began, as the animals drank the liquid, it would pull the water in that direction. So those hydrostatic bonds would bring the water to the mouth through these microcapillary channels in the skin. Um, but before that occurred, it was just kind of random until the animal start, started, you know, kind of drinking the water. So um, this is, you know, interesting behavior, and it's uh, neat to show that this shared uh, microstructure on the skin between three different species accounts for this hydrophilic nature. Now, um, I also have been reading a, uh, an article on gecko skin, and they look at the microstructure of gecko skin. Now, there there's some kind of uh, projections on the gecko skin, and gecko skin is typically hydrophobic in nature, and the water does just kind of beads up on top of the the scales and the geckos are able to lick their lick the moisture off their bodies or the surrounding area they're kind of more cold adapted whereas these species like high heat and they're active during the hottest parts of the day and so um, they don't have that cold adaptation I suppose and they're also a little more you know, robust it's hard for them to lick water off their bodies whereas a gecko is more agile and kind of can get to those spots to, to lick moisture off their bodies but I thought it was interesting that the geckos have kind of projections sticking out which keeps the water from um, absorbing or, or wetting the skin whereas these uh, three species described in the paper have kind of a honeycomb that keeps it brings the water into these micro channels in the skin. Uh, very interesting research, and I hope you enjoyed it. So take a moment, uh, read the article, listen to the podcast, and let me know what you think. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode of Herpetological Discussions, and we'll see you later.